Tuning into the 536th episode of Barber Show Sports Talk with me, your host Daryl D. Lane. As always, wherever you are, however you may be listening, I'm thinking of making me and this show part of your day. Whether it be a Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, our radio, SoundCloud, Pandora, Richard Podcast, and Apple Platform, you may be listening to me via. Going to have Kenny Sim on the show, scouting expert for Transportation and Sports to break down and recap everything that happened for the Super Bowl. Also, maybe talk about some other NFL tidbits and nuggets as well. And before I get to that conversation with Kenny, I'm going to get my shameless plug as always. First time listener, thank you. But subscribe and follow right now. Also, share this podcast to friends and family, whether it be via Reddit, threads, Facebook groups, etc., etc. Check on the description below, specifically if you use Spotify. I have everything timestamped. You can click on the timestamp and we'll send you to whichever part of the podcast you would most like to listen to. Folks, it is for your convenience. Follow me on Twitter at Nitrate underscore Lane and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just type in Daryl Lane. You'll find it about two to five minute clips of this podcast right here as well as my second show outside the shop. And lastly, if you have Apple or iTunes, give me five stars and a great review. And for some odd reason, right? If you want the pod, then fret not, worry not, folks, but just don't say anything. Because you know what your mama told you. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. And kind of next to the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to have Kenny Sim on the show. Kind of next to the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have Kenny Sim with us, scouting expert for Children's Forty-Seven Sports, to break down and recap everything that went down for the Super Bowl: the Chiefs beating the Eagles, thirty-eight to thirty-five. Kenny, how you doing? How you feeling? How you living, my guy? Doing good, Dale. The season is over, but the game lived up to the billing, and it sends us a, a, a theatrical finish the playoffs in the NFL season and it kind of you know leads us in now to the off season so always sad one of my least favorite days of the year is the day after the Super Bowl because it's all over we have never been further away from football season was this game was this the best Super Bowl you've seen in the last four or five years Yeah, I mean, probably, you know, it would fall behind the last one with the Atlanta, New England, because that had the largest comeback in Super Bowl history of 25 points. Um, So that would probably be the one, you know, competitive game between the Patriots and Rams, but very low scoring. Uh, You know, I thought the um, Chiefs 49ers was good as well. Um, and then the Bucks was a blowout. And then last year, I actually kind of like last year's game. It was just enough scoring, but it wasn't kind of a offensive explosion, three-point game. So this one would probably be, you know, behind that Falcons-Patriots game in the last six years. But this was, a, uh, this was one that lived up to the billing. Um, there was enough scoring where it was right on the fringe of, you know, kind of like a Big 12 game where there was some defensive stops. Um, there, there was a comeback, and it was overall well-played by both teams. What's your biggest takeaway? What was your biggest takeaway after the game? My biggest takeaway after the game was, at least in the AFC, the way to beat the Chiefs going forward is you got to get weapons and you have to outscore them. Those days, you know, I, I I don't think you could go into a game against the Chiefs saying we're going to run the ball, keep them on the sidelines and squeeze possessions because Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes, they're going to get 30 points. So the opposing team has to score at least 30, 30 
35 points to win, and even that might not be enough. So, weapons are key, um, and that was my biggest takeaway. Is that's that's how to beat the Chiefs. You need more weapons. That's what AFC rivals should be looking at. You know, similar to the, and, and I think you saw the Eagles attempt to do that. They had weapons, but you saw the Eagles were extremely aggressive, going no huddle, going or taking third and fives, third and threes, going for them fourth down. Yeah, they treated those like second down because they were going for a fourth down. It's that type of aggressiveness that is needed to win. Um, you know, going for a fourth down, it's, it's it's about possessing the football to be able to score points as opposed to kind of just keeping a team on the bench because both those teams, especially Kansas City, are going to get their 30 points. So um, kind of the way that was played, the way that game was played should be a model on how, you know, other teams should be playing if they want to be successful. You know, a lot was made of the Eagles' defense. Uh, everybody talked about the pass rush uh, with guys like Hassan Reddick, Fletcher Cox, Sweat, uh, Jordan Davis, uh, Hargrave. A lot of really good guys. They go like 7-8 deep on that defensive line, broke the record for sacks. Right, Jonathan Gannon, their D.C. Um, he has a head coaching job now with Arizona. So they do really good stuff on that side of the ball. And mm-hmm. in the second half, they couldn't do anything with the Chiefs. They only they didn't have a sack either. Uh, so is there any way to stop the Chiefs? Because they carved up the Eagles. Yeah, I didn't like the game plan that Jonathan Gannon had. Defensive coordinator, it was a rough day. It didn't look like they made any adjustments. I mean, what were they doing at halftime? I mean, halftime is 30, 35 minutes. In those situations, in that type of halftime, they may have two game plans. You get your game plan in the first half. Second half, you look at what they have. So you, you know, you practice this during the two-week build-up. You have a different game plan. So these are the different fronts. This is how we're going to play certain looks certain formations. Here here are the new fronts that we're going to deploy because Andy Reid and the Chiefs offense, they're at the enemy are doing that same thing too. You saw them. Um, They obviously found, you know, uh, uh, a way to carve up what the Eagles were doing on their goal line defense, defending those passes. And the Jaguars prodigy of Andy Reid, Doug Peterson, they ran that similar whip concept. They motion the receiver into the formation, and then he goes back out. That was wide open when the Eagles, or when the Jags played the Eagles earlier in the year in September. And the Chiefs obviously found something that was going to work on a type of a look, type of a motion, and they did that twice. So it was those you know, lack of adjustments that they made because the Chiefs played an immaculate second half. They had one incompletion that was a throwaway. They had no penalties. They were not stopped. They scored every time they had the football. Um, so that was, you know, I did not like the uh, lack of adjustments that they um, were able to do. And, um, you know, the Eagles are the... Uh, Chiefs offensive line now, um, you know, matchup for matchup, the Eagles were better at a lot of spots, but the Chiefs were also good at a lot of spots as well. And so the Chiefs have a very good offensive line. And they were top six in pass rush win rate. They prevent pressures and sacks, the sixth best in the league. And they were able to really neutralize that pass rush and take it out completely. So, um, that was another takeaway as well, is how, how well, actually, it was the Chiefs' offensive and defensive lines that were better than the Eagles. Yeah, that would have been a, a shock. If you told me that the Chiefs were going to outrush the Eagles and the Eagles would get zero sacks, I would have been shocked. <laughs> and that's what happened. 
the Chiefs really showed up in the trenches. And it was that opening drive. It was 24 to 14. And the opening drive, um, the, the Chiefs, their middle eight, at the end of the first half, they had a tough first half. They did not play that well. Um, the lead quickly went from tie game to minus 10 for the Chiefs. And then they come out of halftime. And out of halftime, the Eagles had 44 plays to 20. And they had about 20 minutes of change time of possession to the Chiefs. The Chiefs had just over eight minutes. And so they came out in the, in the second half, and the Chiefs, um, they just needed to run plays and eat the clock and just get a little bit of a rhythm and rest that defense. And they did that. They started off with three consecutive runs with Isaiah Pacheco, and that opening possession score was a mixture of run and pass, but it was Isaiah Pacheco and the offensive line that led the way to move down the field for that touchdown, and then it's a three-point game, and they're back in it. How close do you think this game was teetering from being a blowout? Because, you know... At halftime, 10 points, and it's, I'm kind of – and we were texting back and forth, and I'm kind of like, right, Mahomes, it seems like you re-aggravated the ankle. I'm like, if if the Chiefs don't score on this drive, like, this could be 17-point 17, margin, like, really quickly. Because the Chiefs really, at that point, hadn't really shown any ability to stop Philadelphia. swung the game either side because you know if the Chiefs don't score and they have to punt then the Eagles have a chance now to go up three scores I know Patrick Mahomes when they're down double digits well, Patrick Mahomes record is like 63% 57 per, per percent something like that that is leading all time in the NFL when he's down so it was not insurmountable but you get down three possessions, you know, it's not a matter of the Chiefs offense scoring. The Chiefs defense also needs to stop the Eagles offense several times to get back into the game. So, you know, if the Eagles get the ball up 14 and they have a chance to extend that to three possessions, then it would have been tough. So that was a very important opening drive. Um, and, you know, just like kind of it was a victory for the, you know, the Chiefs offensive line throughout the game. They won that battle, but that opening possession was huge for them to be able to do that. Did you think Mahomes was going to play that well in the second half, even despite the ankle? It kind of looked like he was hopping around, and then I don't know if they, yeah. they shot it up or whatever, or they got taped it up or whatever they did. But in the second half, he looked fine. Right, I mean, you got, you got an extended half, and, you know, typical a halftime in the NFL, about 13 minutes. This one's a little bit over a half an hour. So if, you know, uh, a type of a painkiller can kick in and everything, it could be done in that 30-minute time span. But, you know, the kid is just so tough mentally and physically if it was, in fact, a high ankle sprain which is four to six weeks. And, you know, to be able to play against Cincinnati that well two weeks ago, let alone in this game, um, you know, to re-aggravate it, it looks like, and to come back, a lot of toughness. So doesn't surprise me. Nothing that kid does surprises me. He is incredible. Um, but it's, it's that type of um, championship mental toughness that all champions need to have as well. The two defining moments of the Super Bowl for me, Kenny, were one we already discussed a little bit, that opening drive in the second half for the Chiefs. And then two was the strip sack uh, 
that ended up being a touchdown uh, fumble that Jalen Hurts had. Because I was of the mindset, Kenny, if the the Eagles are the the better team, they're a better team than the Chiefs, and the Eagles don't turn the football over, I didn't think there was any way for the Chiefs to beat them. And that is kind of what it did come down to. I mean, that's six points. Ended up being seven with the kick, but that's seven points. Could have been, yeah, it was a 14-point swing because at that point, the Eagles were moving the ball well. They were up seven. That could have been, you know, a 10 to 14-point lead. And instead, it's it was even at 14. So, so that was a 10 to 17-point play. And, um, you know, again, teams, especially now in the Super Bowl, teams that win the turnover battle win 80% of the time the Chiefs did have the edge and then they got the defensive touchdown and part of me was wondering yes the Eagles were tied and they were you know out gaining them by yards time of possession but it's 14-14 and I thought to myself as well especially in a big game like this how many times does the team get a defensive touchdown and they lose Typically, if you get a special teams or a defensive touchdown, you win. So that was, I'm thinking, you know, you got to keep this in mind with the Chiefs. They got that defensive score, and they're kind of back in it. You know, are, are they really going to lose a game where they, you know, even score on the defensive end? Um, and that was a play, you know, just for the fact that all of a sudden, you know, a quarter and a half into the game, and, yeah, it was about a quarter and a half into the game. And, the, you know, the Eagles were really playing well and moving the ball, and all of a sudden it's 14 points. Uh, that was a big play, and that was, you know, Chiefs won by three, and they were plus seven on uh, points off turnovers. So that was one of the differences as well. And the Eagles never turn it over. That that was one of their calling cards. That's how they, they won 13 games the regular season. That's how they were able to blot everybody out through the playoffs. That's one thing the Eagles did, and they true to form. They, they didn't stick true to form. And right, only nineteen turnovers. Only nineteen turnovers during the regular season. And and how many of that? I mean, probably almost none of that were for touchdowns <laughs> directly. That was a big point of the game. Um, and the game had a lot. I mean, the game was well played. It had a lot of waves because then they got because then the Chiefs had the momentum, and then. The Eagles completely dominate the end of the first half going into that middle-eight situation of scoring a touchdown. Then they get the stop and the field goal, you know, 10 points right there at the end. And then, you know, then the second half, then the Chiefs come back, and the Chiefs really have momentum for, you know, a quarter and a half into that game in, in, in the uh, second half. But a uh, fumble, fumble was a big part. Um and then I thought the Tony returned as well. And, man, it, it was a combination. It was a blitzkrieg late in the second half. It was the three coordinators of the Chiefs that I thought outcoached the Eagles. It was Andy Reid on offense with those back-to-back uh, plays. But Tony and Sky Moore out-schemed the Eagles. It was defensive coordinator Steve Spagnola big game coordinator, they had uh, held the Eagles to a field goal, they were sending some pressure, and then it was longtime special teams coordinator, Dave Tobe, leading the special teams unit, and they made the Eagles pay on the return, because they went to a return on one side of the field, and the Eagles, I count the Eagles had eight players <laughs> From the hash to the sideline, all walled in, eight players within like a 20-yard gap. And, you know, the Chiefs walled them off, and Kadarius Tony was off to the races for a 65-yard return. All of a sudden, you know, three-point game, tie game actually, all of a sudden, the Chiefs are going right back to work on the five-yard line. Do you think that the Eagles didn't stick to the run enough? I know they rushed it 32 times, but a lot of those were Jalen Hurts runs. I mean, you think they should have tried to get Miles Sanders up there to closer to 10, 12, 13 carries, maybe give getting the game with a little bit more. And I know they had a lot of success with the passing game, but I think tried and true, they're a running football team. Yeah, 
so a lot of their big plays on their on on a, uh, you know they had over 400 yards of offense. A lot of those yards were big chunk plays in the passing game, but from a run standpoint, they couldn't get anything going though. It was Jalen Hurts on quarterback runs, but on traditional handoffs to running backs, you know, Sanders could not get going. Um, You know, I thought the Chiefs linebackers, Willie Gay and Nick Bolton, who Nick Bolton as an unsung hero had a monster game. Those linebackers were running and chasing, and they were containing the run. And they, I mean, they were just bodying up the Eagles. All game, and they just couldn't get going. I mean, they ran thir- 32 times, um, but none of their backs, Gainwell, Sanders, or Scott, could ever get going. So, you know, to be able to stay in favorable down and distances and still move the ball down the field and put up 35 points, they had to do it by air. But that just goes back again on the flip side on the Eagles' offensive line is exceptional. It was actually the Chiefs defensive line. The Chiefs defensive line won that battle again. So so the Chiefs won both trenches. Um, but it was a combination of, 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 of scheme with Spagnola. And then I thought it was those two linebackers um, really set the tone. And they were active. They were going sideline to sideline, running and chasing. You know, I think when we always think about the Chiefs too, a lot of it, you know, it deteriorates to Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, right? But that front seven they have in particular, it's, you know, it's one of the better front sevens in the NFL. Like you mentioned, Nick Bolton, all pro, Willie Gay, like, very underrated linebacker. Chris Jones, probably Hall of Famer, yeah. George Karlafis, rookie, but he's a guy that has a really bright, bright future in this league. Carlos Dunlap's been around for a long time. Frank Clark. Big game player. Uh, I mean, they, they have a lot of guys who are Pro Bowl, All Pros, pluses, high level starters. <laughs> Especially another another unsung hero. I thought during the season for that front seven was Mike Dana as well. Uh, so so they they cycle through. Uh, they're deep on the defensive line with a lot of guys who could play. You know in their roles. I know Kalen Saunders, he's a free agent this year, but Kalen Saunders has been with them for four years. He's a 335-pound defensive tackle, so so they got a plugger there. You got a guy who can get up the field as Chris Jones. You can cycle through, you know, the the diversity that they have at pass rusher. They got a rookie in Carl Office, but they also have a veteran in, in, in Carlos Dunlap who's able to win with craft and skill and experience as a pass rusher, too. And then you got to give a lot of credit to Steve Spagnola, who is a big-game coordinator, to be able you know, to coordinate that front seven. And especially in terms of blitzing, he's able to know different protection schemes, you know, what way the center is shifting on different looks, Where's the running back going to go to? Is he going to pass for attack left side, right side? And by knowing that, he's able to kind of move around the front seven like chess pieces, give different looks, and manipulate certain coverages to get free rushers too. And so that whole, you know, that whole operation is a combination of experience. Um, you know, it's it's not all rookies, but they do have experience on the front seven, and then Spagnola being able to really operate, um, you know, a, a, a complex defense. Because he has been around the block, and I do know that defense he runs with a lot of checks and stuff. There's a, it's, it, it's a complex defense. So, you know, you hear sometimes some defenses just want to be simple and play fast. His defense is very complex for offenses. They almost the, the Chiefs kind of do like how New England did it. Like a lot of times, they always know didn't always have the best defensive personnel, but they find a way. They're really good in the red zone. Uh, their players they play better towards as the end of the season. They just find a way to win those type of games. That gets to my my point, right? 
The Chiefs, they're the best organization in football from top to bottom. Brett Veach, obviously, the job that he did in the draft. I mean, they, they get away. They, they leave. <laughs> Tyreek Hill's the best receiver in football. He's gone, and they don't miss a beat. George Karlafis, uh, Rondell Moore, all these guys. Uh, I mean, Sky Moore, not Rondell Moore. Sky Moore, the other Moore. Uh, they bring in Juju, all these guys. They make a trade for Kadarius, Tony, all these guys that they bring in. Then you mentioned Steve Spagnola, uh, special teams coordinator. Eric Bieniemy, who's been there for a very long time. Uh, they bring Matt Nagy back. I mean, from top to bottom, this is the most well-run organization in football. Even what they did with the training staff, getting Mahomes ready with the high ankle sprain for the AFC Championship game. Right, and, and this one, too, is general manager Brett Veach. He drafted over the last two years, listen to this, four starters on day three. You think about that. People are trying to fill out their depth chart. How do you win when Patrick Mahomes, one player, is taking up 17% of the salary cap? The Chiefs drafted four starters on day three of the draft. And, you know, you look at, they have Carl Loftus, a rookie, coming back, but their secondary starts or starts or guys that play significant amount for rookies. Because they got McDuffie, they got Joshua Williams, who had the interception on Joe Burrow from Fayetteville State. Then Jalen Watson is a starter, a seventh round pick from Washington State. So that's three corners and Ladarius Sneed, but 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 three corners who are key cogs or rookies this year. And then their 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 safety who plays in big nickel as well. Their third safety um, who might start when Thornhill is a free agent. Byron Cook from Cincinnati, the University of Cincinnati. That's four rookies in their secondary that they're able to grow now and fill in roles. Um, that type of scouting to be able to get those cost controlled players, but also find gems that late in the draft to go along with what they do in the first and second round, that type of operation it makes this very sustainable uh, going forward for the Chiefs. And they got Chris Jones as well, but they also have a rookie, George Karlakis, who had a nice year too. So, you know, that, they get Trey Smith two years ago, a six-round pick. He's starting right there at right guard. So Creed Humphrey? Pillars... Yeah, so, so, so their pillars, you know, the four big pillars of the organization, owner, general manager, head coach, quarterback, you know, best, 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 best across the board there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's New England-ish. It's New England-ish. That's really what it is. It's, it's much like what happened with, Kraft, Belichick, and Brady. And this just seems like the next installment of this in the AFC and in the NFL. Kenny, they're going to be in every AFC championship game for the next five years at least, and they're going to be rotating in the Super Bowls. And everybody wants to talk about Buffalo, and everybody wants to talk about Cincinnati, maybe Jacksonville. I know one thing. The Chiefs will be in the AFC championship game next year. It's just a matter of who they're going to play. That is why you need weapons in the AFC. Because... Even if you score 30, I don't know if that's going to be enough to beat the Chiefs. You might need to score 40. So you need weapons. How comparable do you think the Chiefs are to those Patriots? There's a lot of comparisons. Um, You know, five AFC championship appearances. Patrick Mahomes is actually doing a little bit more in his, you know, in in the first four, uh, in that in in this past four year span when they made three Super Bowls, compared to the Patriots, um, their first three Super Bowls, um, missed the know, playoffs one of those years, one to two thousand four. But um, actually, if you take a look at EPA on special teams and defense, how much each unit is adding um, to the game. The Patriots, they had 
positive defense, positive special teams over that span. Actually, the Chiefs have had negative EPA on defense and special teams, and they've had exceptional offense. So, so, so essentially, um, Patrick Mahomes over a four-year span is actually carrying a team that has had, um, by that metric, below average defense by league standards and special teams. So they're more offensively driven. The Patriots were, you know, second on defense during that four-year, during the four-year window when they made their first uh, three Super Bowls. They were second on defense over that span. And, you know, they were way more ball-controlled, throwing it to, you know, Troy Brown, David Pappen. So it's kind of flipped where this is an operation that's way more offensively oriented. Andy Reid's the best coach in the NFL now. Belichick's going to have to make some room for Big Andy, right? Andy's awesome. (laughs) You You know, he lets guys be themselves. Um, but he's always one where he's ahead of the curve. He's really ahead of the curve offensively, and he's able to stay in this league as a highly productive coach because he has really changed, you know, offenses from traditional West Coast with the Packers to then Donovan McNabb. Um, you know, then he worked with a mobile quarterback in Vec, Kevin Cobb. That stunt, um, Alex Smith was West Coast, and then they kind of, you know, got Mahomes now. But but he's he's, he's able to kind of grow and learn, and he's not one of the old coaches that are kind of just stuck in their ways. A lot of young coaches, there, there's a lot of young coaches that are very innovative, you know, like like Kyle Shanahan and McVay. But but don't let the age of Andy Reid fully he is just as innovative as well. Mahomes, a lot of you know, a lot of people have talked about this. Uh I think it's personally too soon, but uh I mean how I mean three Super Bowl appearances, two Super Bowl championships. Obviously there's gonna be a lot of conversation about what he has to do to be the GOAT. Is he the greatest people have ever seen? I've heard people compare him to Michael Jordan. I was talking to Silas a friend of mine, a few days ago, and he's like, Daryl, this must have been what it was like for people to see Michael Jordan. <laughs> so, Mahomes, what's the path for him to be the GOAT? Is it four rings, five rings, six? Well, I think it starts with seven. With what Tom Brady has, but... Um, you know, it's that. It's it's Brady right now has. Uh, I mean, he just retired, and they did. You know, his full resume, and you know, it's all about major passing stats, major playoff stats, and the guy has more playoff wins than like twenty eight franchises. But it, it, it's gonna it's gonna need to be playing at this level, you know, for the next fifteen years like this keeping at that same pace about, you know, Mahomes' first five years in the league about, um, you know, 18 he started. Five years he's been a starter in KC. Um, You know, two Super Bowls. So to do that over, to to do the same rate over 20 years, that would be eight, two every five years, you know, three Super Bowls in that span, that's 12, you know, give or take a few, but it's going to be playing at this level for a long time. So, you know, going to be able to have to continue that on. And like all good good franchise quarterbacks, he's going to have to train a different set of receivers. So as they go into this, he's going to have to eventually do it without Travis Kelsey, who's going to retire you know, in, in, in the span, he's 34. Um, you know, this group he has with, you know, Valdez, Scantley, and Sky Moore, eventually 
and they're going to move off. He's going to have to train another group, almost like with Big Ben. You know, Big Big Ben did it with, uh, you know, Heinz Ward and Burris, and then Randall Allen, San Antonio Holmes, and then Antonio Brown. So that was like a three-time span. So he's going to have to be able to continually train different receivers over multiple generations. Um, and, and, and all the great ones do that over time. And so having you know, the type of team success, playoff success, and eventually having, you know, almost all the major passing records. It's going to be just playing at the same rate, which he did the first five years, you know, just continuing that on for, you know, 15 more years. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and then get up next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to talk a little bit about where the Eagles go from here. Get up next to the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Are you ready for the biggest Sunday in sports? Drafting Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 57, has all the Super Bowl action you need. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get in on Super Bowl 57 excitement with DraftKings Happy Hour Super Boosts. Check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day between 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern and see what prop bet will be boosted. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code TPPN. New customers can bet $5 on Super Bowl 57 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook with code TPPN. Chiefs versus Eagles. Let's see who's going to win the big game, folks. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk. We still have Kenny Sim with us. So, Kenny, obviously the Eagles, they're the losers. They had a really good year. There isn't a long track record, though, of teams who lose the Super Bowl returning. So where do the Eagles go from here, Kenny? Well, the Eagles have, start starting off, um, they were able to, find and identify two two uh, two two coordinators who are now head coaches in a two year span. So, you know, Nick Sirianni is gonna to have to dig into his coach's contact list and they're gonna to have to find um, an an offensive coordinator who could keep the same, you know, system, RPOs, quarterback runs with Jalen Hurts and operate that and then defensively, you know, get a defensive coordinator again, someone like a Jonathan Gannon. So, you know, maybe a little bit more maybe a little bit more blitzing and man to man sometimes, but but um uh, the two coordinators are going to be very important to how they get filled. And, um, you know, on a solid organization, they've been a solid organization for a lot of years now, that should be two coordinator jobs in high demand because that could be a pipeline to head coach. And then offensively, they return a lot of the key pieces. You know, the tight ends, the two receivers, Hurts, uh, majority of the offensive line. Running back, I don't think they'll value running back like some organizations. They were able to win the Super Bowl a few years ago with a three a, a, a three headed backfield, one being an undrafted free agent. So, you know, I don't know if they end up signing Miles Sanders. And then defensively, they're going to need to refill um, defensive line and secondary. So they got Bradbury is going to be a free agent. That was a plus for them is having those two, two upper echelon corners in Slay and Bradbury. They got to fill safety. Gardner Johnson is a free agent, and then defensive line. They actually lose a lot on that defensive line that led the NFL with seventy sacks in the regular season. So they lose, they lose um, Brandon Graham, who's a free agent, um, and then on the interior. Fletcher Cox and Hargrave 
are free agents. Hargrave is going to be hard to probably keep him because he's going to command a lot of money. Um, Fletcher Cox might come back, but he's a little long in the tooth. So they're going to need to re. So, so they're going to need to retool at defensive line and secondary. Um, but the main core returns for them. They've done a nice job drafting, so they could maybe plug in Jordan Davis, their first round pick, um, in a defensive tackle. And offensively, I think their offensive tackle, one of them is a free agent, but they have Dillard, former first round pick. Um, so they're going to need to retool a little bit. But the good thing is they have two first round picks, and one of them is pick number 10. So whether they use that or whether they get more picks or you know, get another first round pick two years from now, they are in well they, they are well positioned uh, to be able to fill some of their holes. And they're gonna need to do it probably with some working contracts because their team is gonna get a little bit more expensive as the years go on. So let's do this. Let's do stay or go for their free agents. So Fletcher Cox, would you keep him or would you let him go, Kenny? I would I would keep him um, as a veteran, um, hometown discount, I would keep him. And he's probably willing to take one. He's a lifeblood yeah, of your team yeah. leader. I mean, I, he's also a guy you want in your ring of honor. You you want him to be eagle for life. Yeah, he's eagle football. Yeah. Uh, Robert Quinn. I would say go. He did not play a lot. Um, and I think... I don't know his status, but if he is, is if, if, if he's a free agent, uh, probably you move on. Um, if he has, if, if he has another year on his contract, probably not guaranteed. But I would probably move on. Brandon Graham. I would probably move on from him um, and look for the draft for a highly touted um, edge rusher. Javon Hargrave. Yeah, I think he's going uh, for defensive tackle. I'm seeing some projections because I'm looking at defensive tackles for some teams, um, but um, he's he's going to command a lot of money, and I don't know if they're going to be able to, you know, pay twenty million a year. Well, the thing is, you're going to have Jordan Davis there. Uh, exactly. If you keep Fletcher Cox. You probably want a third D tackle there, though. You probably want another one. So, yeah, you can feel that. Yeah, and, that, and that's exactly you know with what they did in the draft pass with Jordan Davis. They could go with Jordan Davis, Fletcher Cox, and then you could get a you know a, a, a free agent who's not that expensive. Remember, Hargrave was not that expensive after he was a free agent from Pittsburgh. Uh, so, so they could do that, or they could. Uh, they could use one of their high picks on a defensive tackle. Um, so I think, you know, something like that could happen there. So Jason Kelsey, uh, is he going to retire or is he going to stay? Because obviously if he stays, he's going to be an eagle. Yeah. I would say he plays another year. Okay. So that was another one, too, because they took Cam Jurgens in the second round, who was very highly touted as one of the top centers last year. So that's one of them where, you know, like Fletcher Cox, if Jason Kelsey does move on, they could plug in a rookie who's very highly touted. Um, or whether they play Jurgens at guard if Kelsey returns. But I'm going to say Kelsey returns. And this gets to my next one then. Isaac uh, Simello. You think they're going to keep him yeah. or let him go? I would... I would say if the if the price is right, they would probably bring him back, and that's one where you know he's probably going to be less expensive than you know like a Hargrave or a Bradbury. They could probably get away with um, you know something that's not top shelf tackle money. And retain him. Because the one thing is, too, you could let him walk and then just slide Jurgen in there. 
Yeah, and they do have uh, Dillard, who is a first-round pick in 2019. So, so I think he has one more year left. But, but they do have a first-round pick, albeit one who has not really lived up to standards. But they do have that they could go to, um, you know, or, or, or they could use in somehow, some way, their first two picks whether they keep them or trade back or whatever, they are two first-round picks. They could use their first two picks on, uh, you know, offensive tackle and defensive end. But they could also have that as well. So I would say that they try to keep Isaac, um, their left tackle, at a, at a you know, a reasonable p- priced contract. So... Jamal James Bradbury. Keep yeah, I think him. That one is going to be go only because you know cornerback. Pay the man, breakout year. <laughs> what? Oh, what's that? I said pay the man, breakout year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's been good for. He, he had a really good year uh, a few years ago with the Giants. He led the NFL in passes defense. So being, you know, he played well uh, in this um, one year contract he had after being released by the Giants. Um, he, he's played enough, he's played well enough to get a uh, highly paid contract. Because he's a corner, he's going to be highly sought after. I don't know if they're going to be able to retain all these guys, so I'm going to say Bradbury is probably going to leave in the free agency. Kazir White, keep him or let him go? I would say they let him go traditionally to they do not pay linebackers. They're able to find guys. You know, TJ or T, uh, TJ Edwards, their other starter, was a third or a fourth round pick. They had guys like Duke Riley, um, but but they they would probably let him go. Use that open linebacker spot on a middle round pick and pay other positions that we had gone over. Also, Nicobe Dean, Georgia. Uh, exactly. Yep. Um, this this past draft for them, Daryl, um, they were able to set up their team for the future with guys like Jordan Davis, Jurgens, Nicobe Dean. Now, I, I mean, I would say they let him go, and Nicobe Dean could probably do uh, similar production as Kaiser White. Now we get to their other linebacker. TJ Edwards is a free agent too. Now I think. They should try very hard to keep T.J. Edwards. I thought he was one of the best off-ball linebackers in the NFL, though. He's going to be a pretty penny in free agency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, Jonathan Gannon, now in Arizona, defensive coordinator, that could be a move like that where, where you know, that, that type of previous coach-player relationship, maybe the Cardinals sign them to get some Eagles guys, uh, some of those type of guys, locker room guys, uh, to fill out Jonathan Gannon's vision for the team. So they might try to keep them, um, but they're probably not going to... uh, The Eagles are probably not going to break the bank for a linebacker, though. They have... Not done that under Howie Roseman. Nadama and Sue. Keep him or let him go? I would say let him go. He was able to fill in uh, when their run defense struggled. No Jordan Davis early in the year. So that was kind of a, a, a stopgap fill-in veteran. Um, there's, you know, they could draft for depth there at defensive tackle. They could do something similar with uh, a, a, a veteran minimum at defensive tackle. So I would say Don can sue, go somewhere else, if not retire. Miles Sanders, keep him or let him go? I would say let him go. I don't think you know the Eagles are not going to be a team that are going to allocate a lot of resources uh, to the running back position. When they won their first Super Bowl in 2017, they did it with, you know, a veteran minimum guy in LeGarrette Blount. Uh, they had somebody else, and then Corey Clement, who was undrafted, 
So I would think they would fill in that spot with Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott, and probably um, another Bradford. guy. Yeah. A young guy, yeah. And if Kenneth Gainwell is the number one back, I think he'd give similar production to what Miles Sanders is doing behind that offensive line. I don't think Miles Sanders is that far ahead of Kenneth Gainwell anyway. Uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, they traded for him. Uh, had an all-pro caliber season, really, before he got uh, hurt for a little bit. Should they keep him or let him go? I would say they try to keep him. Um, I would say he would be the one that they try to keep at safety and keep in the secondary because they also have another free agent at safety, Marcus Epps, I believe. But I would think they would, you know, they they traded for him. Um, he was productive. I think he had six interceptions. So I would say they try to, they try to work something out to keep him around. Even if it's for maybe, maybe it's for less amount of years so Chauncey Gardner-Johnson could hit free agency again in this prime in a couple more years so um, I think both sides would try to work something out to stay there and that means Marcus Epps is most definitely gone then they probably just slide over blank chip uh, who actually did pretty well when uh, I thought pretty serviceable when Gardner Johnson went out anyway. Uh, he would be the other safety. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, he's a little older too. So if you have kind of you're looking at each position group and stuff, um, they have a lot of free agents. But I would think they keep the uh, the younger safety in Gardner Johnson and let Marcus Epps. Um, he would probably sign with another team then. So what we're going to do is we're going to take another break and then cut up next of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to talk about what the Chiefs do from here. Cut up next of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. With Barbershop Sports Talk, and we still have Kenny Sim with the scouting expert for Trans 47 Sports. So, Kenny, the Chiefs, they are the winners. History, after all, is written by the winners. Mahomes and Andy Reid, their second Super Bowl. They should be the favorites going into next NFL season, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think they've solidified that for several years. And they already are next year in Vegas. They are the odds-on favorite to repeat next year. How do you like their chances? I think they stack up really well. I mean, they, you know, you could almost pencil them in to the AFC Championship. Why not? They've done it every year with Mahomes and Andy Reid, so you kind of just pencil them in to the AFC Championship, and you know they're a game away from going to the Super Bowl, two games away from winning it. So I think their chances are. I definitely think they'll be the favorite, and they'll probably be the favorite, you know, for the next couple of years as long as they have that infrastructure. So, they got some free agents, not as many as the Eagles, but they have some. Orlando Brown, do you keep him or let him go? I'm going to say here, I'm going to say they let him go. So, he wanted a big, very big contract, um, and he is not does not grade out as a all-pro level offensive tackle, which was the money he was seeking. So the Eagles got him on a franchise tag. They're, they're, they're not going to franchise tag him again. So I think he ends up walking. They take the compensatory pick, and that might be the uh, that might be the uh, pick that the Chiefs use, you know, with the uh, 31st pick in the draft for their first round pick. They might go at offensive tackle um, and definitely you know, you want to keep that unit very sound. If you have Mahomes in an offensive line, everything else kind of works itself in. 
So I'm going to say they that they let him go in favor of a highly touted draft pick. And this is a good year for offensive tackles. A lot of offensive tackles in this draft as well. Um, so that bodes well for yeah. the Chiefs. Juju Smith-Schuster, you keep him or let him go? I'm going to say they let him go. So they have been, you know, similar to the Eagles. They have been drafting some young players to fill in some of these ancillary roles. And they could fill in some rookies um, who don't cost as much, keep their cap down, similar production. So I think they're going to let Juju Smith-Schuster move on. And their second-round pick last year, Sky Moore, is going to fill in as a more prominent player on their offense. Carlos Dunlap, you keep him or let him go? I think they would let him go. Um, You know, kind of after the draft, some veterans get let go. And so... Typically, there's some veteran edge rushers that sign on in, like, May or June. But I think if they don't fill that void at pass rusher in the draft, they could get, you know, a a, a veteran, um, kind of at a veteran's minimum. Um, You know, maybe like a Melvin Ingram, but but I think they would move on um, from there. Jedrick McKinnon, you keep him or let him go? Yeah, so this one is a tough one because he had nine touchdown catchers and he was he was a key cog in that offense for them. Um, I'm going to say here, I'm going to say they let him go because I think there's going to be a team that thinks they could probably get that type of production from him that he did this year with the Chiefs and sign him. And that scat running back in the Chiefs offense, you could definitely fill that in with one of the several scat backs in the NFL, fill that in the draft, and Mahomes is going to make that position work. So I think they're going to use that, you know, draft veterans minimum um, to fill that running back spot and McKinnon probably gets a contract um, that is pretty well deserved but might be being paid for past performance so I'm going to say he moves on and McCole Hardman you keep him or let him go yeah I'm going to say they're going to let him go um Four years has had a hard time getting on the field. I think Sky Moore, they, they used that pick on Sky Moore to be a more prominent role in Valdez Scantling. They also have uh, Justin Watson at uh, number 84 out of UPenn, who's kind of a, he's actually kind of a fast, straight line speed guy. So I'm going to say they let him go. And, um, you know, Hardman probably gets. $10 million a year, similar, maybe like a DJ Chark, somewhere else. Um, but Watson has a similar skill set, and they could always draft. You know, that's the beauty of Patrick Mahomes. They could always draft somebody, and they could, you know, draft a receiver that's not highly touted, and he could quickly turn into something. So I think they're going to continue to use um, – draft picks at receiver like that. Kenny, I'm thank you for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. Great, man. Yeah, another good year of doing this. And once again, I want to thank Kenny Sim for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode. The 536th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.